Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 August-born actors in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? It's taken me a little longer to get this episode out than I had hoped, uh, but that only means I was able to watch more movies that featured uh, a lot of the people you're going to hear about in the next hour or so. And uh, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I got to watch actually a lot of really good movies, um, as opposed to some of the other months where most of them are just bad movies, because I've seen pretty much all the good movies from these people. But there are actually quite a few good movies out there that I hadn't seen by a lot of uh, a lot of big names that surprised me. And there are still more that I have to go with and didn't get to, uh, just because of time, really. So... Uh, yeah, uh, before I jump in, just a little, uh, update, um, small one, uh, finally have quit my job, I am no longer working, uh, I would have thought this would have given me a little bit more time to record, and it hasn't yet, uh, but that's, I think a lot of that, the reason behind that is because I'm still kind of adjusting to a normal sleep schedule, which is proving to be a little bit more difficult than I expected, and, there's, you know, there's still, there's plenty of life things going on. I've been dealing with a lot of, you know, a lot of transitioning at leaving my job and financial situations, uh, as well as um, handling the payments for the apartment that I'm renting between myself and like two other people. So uh, there have been a lot of things going on that have kept me preoccupied outside of the, the uh, amount of time my job used to occupy. So but I think that hopefully going forward into the next week or two that things will kind of even out and uh, right themselves, as it were. So, uh, before we get into the top 10, uh, I just wanted to mention a couple of people who narrowly missed a couple of big names here, uh, people I've seen quite a few films from, and uh, missing... Uh, uh, in the top 20 from August, you have names like, make sure I'm within, uh, yes, in the top 20, you've got people like Sean Penn, um, two-time Oscar winner, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Oscar winner, you have Robert De Niro, two-time Oscar winner, Jack Black, uh, and um, uh, narrowly missing in 11th place, who is actually in 10th place at the beginning of this month, but has since fallen out. Uh, Mark Williams, who plays uh, Ron Weasley's dad in Harry Potter. So the Harry Potter situation coming into play yet again, but he narrowly misses uh, this month, as it turns out. He's literally one overall spot behind the person who's actually in 10th place with, <laughs> with a difference of two hundredths of a point in total score. So... Uh, without any further ado, let's find out who that is as we enter the August Born Actors Top 10. Oh no! Oh 
Sitting in 10th place currently in August, someone born August 31st, 1931. Uh, he also has um, unfortunately passed away at the age of 72 in Jan uh, 2004 on January 17th. Um, he is currently ranked 251st overall with eight films logged. They have an average rating of 77.38. And the lowest rating of any of them is 57. So not a bad film in the uh, in the bunch that I've seen. Uh, his value is 19, no Academy Award nominations, and that gives him a score of 96.38. Now, if we look at last month, um, you will notice that 96.38 is actually pretty low because there were 13 people in July that had eclipsed 100. And so, not as strong a month, August, uh, but there's definitely some big names coming up, uh, people that really do deserve to be toward the top of the list in the overall scheme of things, not just in August. And uh, this person is Noble Willingham. Uh, that may not be a familiar name if uh, you... I mean, it's not really a familiar name to myself either. Uh, and if you go on his letterboxed profile, there really isn't a much much information going on there. But what he's probably most known for, uh, outside of the movies I'm going to name in a minute, is a lot of his TV performances. Uh, he was on the entire series of Walker, Texas Ranger as the role of C.D. Parker. Uh, he's been in a bunch of other sort of older western types of movies um, with small performances here and there um, a lot of shows that i just don't recognize to be honest they're way before my time as i'm kind of scrolling down his imdb page uh, so let's kind of ignore that and look at the movies i have seen and what i can actually speak to so noble willingham is um so his breakdown for me two movies right in the 90s one in the 80s four in the 70s and one in the 50s <clears throat> his top two movies are uh, chinatown and paper moon uh, both of which i think are fantastic uh, i give chinatown a couple extra points um, but I, I haven't seen, it's been a while since I've seen Chinatown. That was probably back in 2010 or so, maybe 2011. And Paper Moon I've seen far more recently, uh, so I remember that a lot more vividly. But they're both like really strong movies. And the thing is, and, and this is kind of, I'm not going to say a flaw, but but definitely a shortcoming of of my spreadsheet is that I don't know what role Noble Willingham was played in either of those films. I don't believe he had a uh, like a sizable role in either of them, and honestly, in any of the movies I've seen that he's in. But nevertheless, like he's still you know just outside the top two fifty actors all time that I've ever seen, and in fact is number ten in August. So. To that effect, you know, it'd be nice. You know, I wish I had sort of a metric to adjust score based on, I guess, kind of leading 
leading status, but it would have to be adjustable by film. And like, there's just no way I can feasibly do that, especially now after I put so much effort into the system I use currently. So, so, you know, there's, there's uh, or, you know, whereas on the other hand, like number 11, Mark Williams, I, you know, more than easily can name his role in like pretty much every movie he's, I've seen him in, but Noble Willingham, you know, he doesn't really look familiar the way that I see him. Um, but, you know, so I said he's in Paper Moon, he's in Chinatown, he's also in Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams, he's in City Slickers, he is in The Last Picture Show, he is in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, he's in The Hudsucker Proxy, and his average film, his film rate in the 50s, is Career Opportunities, which is a uh, Jennifer Connelly, Frank Whaley film that I watched for a scavenger hunt not too long ago. And so I really don't have much to say about the guy. I, I uh, you know, he's picked some good movies to be in. Um, I'm on his letterbox page. So some of the movies I haven't seen him in uh, that I've recognized, that I've caught my eye, that I'm interested in, in some respect, you know, I would say include something like uh, maybe none of these. Um, Haha. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of films I'm not super familiar with here either that I haven't seen. No, let me see if I sort them differently. Uh, his most popular film that I haven't seen is The Last Boy Scout. Uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans from 1991, um, followed by The Howling from 1981. He was in Of Mice and Men from 92, uh, Fire in the Sky, 93, La Bamba, 1987, uh, Blind Fury, a Rutger Hauer film from 1989 that looks absolutely bonkers. Uh, and he was in the sequel, City Slickers 2. So uh, a couple more kind of somewhat notable films, obviously, but um, I would say that there's a very good chance that within the next film or two, he permanently drops off of the top 10 August-born actors. I think there's a lot of great talent waiting to take his spot, and he is far from, you know, stable in the position that he's in at the moment. So I'm going to leave it at that. Noble Willingham, he makes an appearance in the first, the first year that I've done this, and uh, that's good. That's good. You know, he... He will forever be noted as number 10 the first time I did the August Born Actors list. So, No Bullingham, number 10, 251st overall. Moving on to number 9. Uh, this person was born August 20th, 1956. They are still alive. Uh, I have 9 credits for them on my spreadsheet with an average rating of 75.78. Uh, no Oscar nominations. Uh, and a value of 21 puts their score at 96.78, so four tenths of a point above Noble Willingham. Uh, this person is ranked 232nd overall, 9th in August, and that is Joan Allen. Uh, Joan Allen, who is uh, probably most, who is most recently uh, featured in Room, uh, but has also 
also has like a, de a decent reputation and uh, filmography is not the right word, but but um, a Broadway career as well. Uh, she was in The Bourne Legacy uh, and The Bourne Ultimatum and Supremacy. Uh, she was in Face Off, um, The Notebook. So she's had a lot of pretty high profile films that she's appeared in and you know but only only a 90 only 93 or 39 sorry 39 credits on uh, letterboxd i've only seen nine of them so pretty small sample size but they're all with one exception they've all been quite good the ones i've seen um looking in terms of her most popular movie i haven't seen according to letterboxd is manhunter i believe yes manhunter from 1986 followed by pleasantville from 1998 but going back to the spreadsheet her best film that i've seen is face off a film that i've heard i hear a lot of negatives about by a lot of people you know some people like it but but nowhere i haven't found anyone that likes it nearly as much as i do and for me i think just the novelty of seeing travolta and cage act as their cell as their own characters then act as each other's characters then act as their own characters as if their other, each other's characters were acting as them i think they pull it off great i think they do they do a really good job of that and that elevates that film so much for me and i find it so enjoyable uh, behind that you have searching for bobby fisher uh, my favorite chess movie uh, hands down which also has uh the, the what's his name in it Oh, I'm not going to think of the name, am I? Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne in Searching for Bobby Fisher. I watched that when I was very young, and it just it really stuck with me. I rewatched it a few years ago, and it still holds up. It, it's very compelling. Um, and I already mentioned Room. Uh, she doesn't have a huge role in Room. You know, obviously that's Brie Larson, Jacob Tremblay's movie, but uh, it is a fantastic film, and she does play a key role in it. Um, I mentioned she was in three Bourne movies, uh, Legacy, the lesser of the three, uh, Ultimatum, the greater of the three, with Supremacy falling in the middle. Uh, Ultimatum ends up as her only film rated in the 80s. Uh, Supremacy is in the 70s, in between The Ice Storm, uh, which is from 1997, and The Notebook. Um, which I've already mentioned. Uh, Born Legacy as her only movie in the 60s, and then her only negatively rated movie is Josh and S.A.M., which, if I'm not mistaken, is basically like... Man, I don't remember this movie at all. It doesn't really... Stephen Tobolowsky, Joan Allen, Chris Penn, Maury Chaikin, Jake Gyllenhaal. That's why I watched it, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um... <laughs> which is a very, very strange movie in which uh, Josh and Sam are two brothers, but he, Josh tells Sam that he is an S-A-M, uh, which, man, what does that stand for? Doesn't tell me. That's kind of frustrating. Basically, like, he's a kind of like an android being sent to fight a war, which is just absolutely ridiculous and very very strange 
Um, man, I really want to know what this acronym is, though. Uh, it's got to be on IMDb somewhere. Quotes. Here we go, here we go. Mm. I don't know why this wouldn't be, isn't like one of the most, one of the first things. It might be on one of the reviews, actually, now that I think about it. Um, I watched this when I was in the middle of trying to like kind of follow, find every Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Uh, but I didn't get there. I did, I watched a lot of them in a row, though. What the heck? What does Josh and Sam stand for? Strategically altered mutant. So it's a great lie to tell your brother. <laughs> um, the conceit is interesting and funny, but the movie itself is, is not. <laughs> the movie itself is very bad. And so that's kind of... Dr that really drags Joan Allen down. Uh, the last movie of hers I've seen is, in fact, Room. So, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen any of her movies, because Room was close to a year ago now, which, no, two years ago now? Really? Yeah, close to two years ago, which feels forever ago. Uh, so, looking at some of the movies of hers I haven't seen, Manhunter Pleasantville, uh, Hachi A Dog's Tale, Death Race, The Crucible, uh, what do we got, Nixon, Peggy Sue Got Married, The Contender from 2000, uh, Tucker, The Man in His Dream, 1988, starring Jeff Bridges, Mad Love from 95, uh, The Mists of Avalon, you know, it's not doesn't really bode well. Um, you know, I think Pleasantville is probably decent. I think Manhunter is probably decent. But I think for the most part, these are going to be uh, middling movies, if not lower than that. So uh, kind of the same reason thing I would say for No Willingham is that, you know, they're both already so close to the bottom of this list that one or two movies from them, and they're probably going to be off it for good. So Joan Allen makes an appearance this year. I'd be surprised if she was still here next year, but she definitely has a better chance than uh, Noah Willingham does, for sure. So that's Joan Allen, number 232 overall, number 9 in August, and uh, moving on, moving on. We're into number 8 now, uh, ranked 158th overall, so a big jump here. And uh, born August 9th, 1927, died August 28th, 1978. So he died 40, 39 years ago today, which is unfortunate. It's very sad. Uh, he was only 51 years old. I've only got seven credits for him at this point, but they have an average film rating of 80.14, the highest average rating of anybody on this top 10 list. Um, top loaded, three films rated above 90, uh, one in the 80s, 70s, 60s, and 50s each, uh, as long, as long with an Academy Award nomination and a value of 18 puts his score at 99.14. So just missing that 100, but a decent two and a half point separation between Robert Shaw and Joan Allen. And that is, uh, 
Robert Shaw. I just said it. <laughs> Robert Shaw. Uh, Robert Shaw, he is um, probably most notably in Jaws. Uh, he is one of the three big names in Jaws. But that is um, you know, far from some of his best work. Uh, you know, He is also in The Taking of Pelham 123, a film I think is absolutely great. Uh, you can also look at A Man for All Seasons. His and He was nominated for an Oscar in this film. It's also a great movie. And then actually my favorite film that he's appeared in is The Sting. Uh, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and then Shaw gets third billing after those two. Uh, one of the movies that I watched, a couple of movies actually that I watched uh, in preparation for this list that he's in, uh, Robin and Marion. Starring Sean Connery, Audrey Hepburn, uh, was actually decent. Uh, it's not great, um, but I liked it enough. You know, it's a positively rated film on my list, uh, as well as the as Battle of Britain, which I think is average. Uh, you know, I don't. I think it's long. I think it's a little bloated, and I think it's slow in a lot of parts, but. Um, it's not bad necessarily. It's it's. It was an interesting watch having seen Dunkirk uh, within such a short period of time. So as far as that goes, it was interesting. But otherwise, I think it ultimately ends up being very pedestrian. Uh, so the two movies that I really watched uh, for doing this list dragged his rating down uh unfortunately um even robin and marion which was positively rated dragged it down so he does probably end up a couple of spots lower than he initially was but he is still clinging to this spot number eight and there's a lot of movies on his list so he's got 37 credits on letterboxd and most of these are movies i'm not really aware of and couldn't really kind of let, tell you whether or not I think they're going to be any good. Uh, so his most popular that I haven't seen is Black Sunday. And a couple others towards the top of that popularity list are The Deep, Force 10 from Navarone, The Dam Busters, Battle of the Bulge, Fingers in a, Figures in a Landscape, The Hireling, Carol for Another Christmas, Young Winston, Avalanche Express, Swashbuckler, uh, Libel, Custer of the West. So, you know, I don't really, I don't have any kind of a history with any of these movies. Um, I, I was intending to watch a couple of more before this list came out. I did not have the time. So, uh, you know, this could he, he Shaw could really go either way. You know, he is definitely close enough. He could break into the top five with one or two good films coming up. Uh, uh, or, you know, one bad one, and he could slide down to Joan Allen Noble Willingham territory and kind of teeter out of existence on this list. Uh, you know, he has a very high film average, which is actually kind of precipitous if he has one very low-ranked film. You know, the you know he's only got seven credits, so, each, so the next couple of films are going to be very important to his average film rating. Uh, his value is, in fact, the lowest out of the top 10 at just 18. Uh, and his film count is the lowest out of the top 10. So, 
easily the kind of most precarious person in this list, but certainly one that has a lot of potential to move up because, you know, I'm pretty sure I've got um, at least one um, Oscar nomination left of his to go, I want to say. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I did see all of his Oscar nominations. That was just a man for all seasons. Um, he does have a BAFTA nomination for young for his role in Young Winston, uh, so that could be something to keep an eye on. Uh, but none of his other performances garnered him any awards uh, credit. So, Young Winston, uh, probably the next best thing to see of his, uh, but... You know, who knows? I, I really don't have a, a read on pretty much any of these other films. So that's Robert Shaw, number eight in August, and number 158 overall. Moving on to number seven, we have uh, born in August 14th, 1968, uh, one of the younger people on this list. The uh, list is kind of split into two sections. If you push Joan Allen into the older section of five older people, five younger people, if we use 1960 as the divider, five people born after 1960, five people born before 1960, this person born 1968, you know, part of the younger crowd, um, with just 11 film credits to to their name, they have an average film rating of 74.91, which is very good. Uh, even more top-heavy than the people we've talked about so far, with five films rated in the 90s and uh, kind of trickling down after that, but does have a film rated in the 0 to 24 range, uh, which really killed this this person. I think they were at... They, they'd only lost one spot because of it, because of how big the gap is going forward, but uh, that does dampen this person's uh, score quite a bit. So a value of 26 to have a score of 100.91. We've eclipsed 100 in the top seven. Um, so interesting here, uh, we did have, um, what's his name? Oh, why can't I think of it anymore? Andy Serkis in, in April was in, was in the top 10 at the time. And this is another person who's in a lot of films that, uh, well, I won't say a lot of films that, that Andy Serkis is in, but he is in all the recent Planet of the Apes movies because he is another mocap and voice actor. Um, and, you know, that kind of position is becoming more and more frequent. And while I'm aware that mocapping does take a bodily performance to affect the the character on the screen i'm still displaying them on my spreadsheet as a as the equivalent of a voice role not that i think that there's less talent involved in mocapping and things like that but i do think that um as far as the finished product the only real things you can generally see are the voice or rather see or hear are the voice and I do want to denote that there is a difference between a live performance and a mocap performance. So uh, this person has been in uh, 11, I have 11 credits for them, 10 of them 
our voices and or mocap performances. One is an actually on the screen physical performance. Um, so this is a very recent actor, uh, someone who is clearly studying from Andy Serkis as they've worked together on uh, all three Planet of the Apes movies. And that is Terry Notary. This is probably another name that many of you are not aware of. Uh, Terry Notary um, is also kind of got his start as a stunt coordinator and stunt double, uh, as well as movement coach. When he started, you know, he was a gymnastics uh, performer who's won state championships at that level. And outside of the uh, Planet, uh, Planet of the Apes movies, he was in Kong Skull Island this year. He was in Warcraft uh, last year. He was in Desolation of Smaug. He was in Cabin in the Woods, Attack the Block, Avatar. Uh, so a lot of kind of big movies. You know, Avatar is the biggest movie ever. Cabin in the Woods and Attack the Block, I think, are great. Uh, Desolation of Smaug is my favorite of the Hobbit movies. Kong's Island, I thought, was good, not great. Uh, and Warcraft is fine. It's meh. It's very meh for me. Um, I don't think they really took their time and, and built that world up quite enough as they needed to do. Um, his bad movie is the only one where he doesn't uh, play out off the set, and that's called The Forgotten Ones. It's kind of... You know, it's got a lit name on Letterboxd, The Forgotten Ones, but like the poster says The Tribe, so clearly cut a couple, a little bit of title problems for that. At his le it's his least popular movie, uh, I think. Maybe it's not. Let me see. It's either this or The Square, which I haven't seen yet. No, The Tribe, The Forgotten Ones is his least popular movie. The Square uh, is, is one I haven't seen. It's uh, dated 2017, but I, I could not find it anywhere to watch it in time, or I would have. And his only other credit listed on Letterboxd right now is Avengers Infinity War, next year's Avengers movie. Uh, I don't know what he is in that. I didn't look it up. Uh, I don't know whether or not it's explained or not uh, away, explained yet. Uh, so he could just be like mo-capping Thanos or something like that. But that's interesting. That's very exciting. And if he's... You know, he seems to be kind of taking a more commercial route than I believe Andy Serkis has taken with his mocapping, which is kind of ironic. You know, they're both in all the Planet of the Apes movies. You know, Serkis was in Lord of the Rings. Serkis was in King Kong. These aren't small movies. These aren't, these are very big budget blockbustery movies that he's in. But if you look at the performances, and it is in my opinion that Terry Notary is a far cry from Andy Serkis as far as performance. Now, I'm not going to say that he's not very, very good in War for the Planet of the Apes, um, or in all the Planet of the Apes movies, really, uh, but he gets the most to do in War for the Planet of the Apes uh, as um, Rocket, uh, I think. But, but you know, Serkis as, as Caesar is just so, so much better and it's truly, truly impressive what Circus has done. And I think Notary is really good, but he is still a kind of tier below Circus at the moment. So I like him where he's at. I do think he's probably going to fall as time passes, but 
I don't know, you know, with only uh, Infinity War on his horizon, as far as, as far as Letterboxd is concerned, I don't know what is going to drop him. Like, I can't imagine that Infinity War is going to be so bad, it's going to be a negatively rated movie. But if I'm looking at, you know, he's got a lot of stunt credits um, and movement choreographer credits on IMDb. So he was involved in the BFG, Fantastic Four, all the Hobbit movies. Uh, he was involved in Suicide Squad, um, but he's not a te technically an actor in any of those movies. Um, Infinity War. Oh, he's so he's doing. So his role is Cull Obsidian or Teen Groot in Infinity War. That's kind of interesting. Uh, but. You know, he's miscellaneous crew on a film called Rampage next year, uh, Circus's Jungle Book next year, and the live-action Lion King uh, coming out in 2019 as animation reference performer, which sounds like he'll be, like, watching the original movie and trying to replicate those motions in real life, which sounds really cool. So, uh, I don't know anything about Rampage, but Lion King and Jungle Book both have a lot of good press coming about coming from them. Oh, Rampage is based on a video game featuring apes and monsters destroying cities from the 1980s. So that's really right up his alley, starring Dwayne Johnson, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Malin Akerman. And Joe Manganiello. And Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. Uh, cool. That sounds interesting. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't even heard about it, so... It's not getting much press yet. So, Terry Notary, I think he's only going to go up. Uh, he is still, I think, about 100 spots behind any circus on the overall chart. So, um, we'll see if he can ever close that gap. It's possible. You know, circus has been in far many more movies, and I've pretty much seen everything Terry Notary's been in already. So he doesn't have far to fall, and a lot of the movies upcoming seem to be ones that are going to be very good, very strong movies, and that's that's cause for uh, uh, you know cautious optimism. I would say cautious optimism. Terry Notary, number seven, number one thirty-six overall. Moving on to number six in August. Uh, this is another of the younger half of the list and that is august 22nd born 1973 ranked 111th overall with 31 credits the second highest on the list this top 10 list and an average film rating of 63.48 the lowest average film rating out of the top 10 um this is Kristen wig Kristen wig has a wealth of film, a wealth of films that she has been in, and a vast majority of them are positively rated for me. Quite a few uh, rated below the line, but definitely a sizable number rated above the line. And uh, she has no Oscar nominations as an actor, but has a value of thirty-nine, which puts her score at one hundred and two point four eight. So. She has kind of been slowly sneaking her way into really good movies. Um, she has small voice roles in How to Train Your Dragon and How to Train Your Dragon 2. 
She has a very small voice role in her. Um, she got into the Despicable Me franchise and has played that to great effect. Um, not so much with the third version. Uh, I recently watched the third one and was not a fan, so that wasn't particularly helpful. Um, but her voice roles have been very strong. You know, Sausage Party as well. And I'm looking down here. Uh, that might be it. Um, other than like kind of... Uh, da, da, da. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon spinoffs. She was in... Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, which was bad. Um, but then, as a live performer, she's got The Skeleton Twins, which is great. Knocked Up is great. Uh, Whip It, I really liked. Uh, she has a minor role, a small role in The Martian. A small role in Adventureland. Uh, she has a role in Walkar, The Dewey Cox Story. Uh, she's a big part of why Bridesmaids was so good. Um, I like her in Paul. Uh, small role in Extract. Ghostbusters, I came out on the positive side for that movie. Not overwhelmingly so, just a little bit. You know, I gave it a 60, um, 67, so it's not, you know, breaking the bank or anything, but it was something I liked. Uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl is a movie I watched in preparation for this list recently. I thought it was good, not great. Uh, Kristen Wiig doesn't really get a lot to do in it. She's very small in her role. Uh, Welcome to Me was a little bit of a letdown. I wanted it to be amazing, and it was just fine, in my opinion. Um, she has a lot of just fine movies that she's in. Date Night, Friends with Kids, uh, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. Uh, then you've got the average rated movies, Hate Ship, Love Ship, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and then her bad films, uh, Ice Age, John the Dinosaurs, already said, Lightning Face, Despicable Me 3, Legend of the Bone Napper Dragon, some more voice roles. Uh, and then her couple of awful movies, Girl Most Likely, Zoolander 2, and Masterminds. Hate those, and uh, she's not particularly memorable in any of them. But overall, you know, great sort of body of work. And looking at her letterbox page, she's given 58 credits uh, to films that have already been released. And I've seen, now this says I've seen 32 of them. So one more than the number I have. So I'm going to have to look through this to see if I'm missing something afterwards. But for now, we're going to keep it at this. Uh, this lists The Spoils Before Dying, which is a mini series that I've seen. I like, she's good in it. Um, some of her more recent films that she's been in, A Deadly Adoption, which I haven't heard about, Miss Famous, uh, Nasty Baby, The Spoils of Babylon, another miniseries which I also really liked. I think I like Babylon more than The Spoils Before Dying. Um, what do we else we got here? She was in MacGruber, which I've heard mixed things about. Uh, she's been in a, she's in a couple of Saturday Night Live compilations that I'm probably never going to count for this. Uh, Semi-Pro, another SNL um, alumnus film. And, uh, uh, you know, Unaccompanied Minors is a film I remember seeing trailers for when it was coming out. And uh, she's rumored to be in 
I believe the Tony Erdman movie coming out soon, the American version. Uh, if we look at films that aren't out yet, that she's approved as being part of, you got this year's Downsizing. She's in uh, Mother with Jennifer Lawrence, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Um, next year, she's slated to be in a film called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Uh, 2019's How to Train Your Dragon 3, 2020's Edith's Journey, and 2024's Kiss of the Dragon. Um, Edith's Journey is a feature-length film from the Despicable Me series uh, about how Agnes, Edith, and Marco lived before they met Gru, uh, which... I remember saying after I saw Despicable Me 3 that I preferred, I would have much rather seen this movie than like Minions, but this is probably too little too late. I mean, it's three years from now and I don't, I don't really see the audience being there then, but I guess I don't know. I guess I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm going to see it. So, and then Kiss of the Dragon seems to be a Despicable Me how to train your dragon uh crossover i don't know how much uh, but it's also related to the hobbit films so i i don't know what this is and what it's about so who's to say who's to say um kristen wig i like kristen wig i like her a lot i like her position on this list maybe a little high overall but um i think and I think that mostly stems from the fact that, like, her voice role in her is so tiny. Her perform her role in, um, like, it's almost nothing, you know. And that's fine, you know. I'm not gonna be upset by that. But like, her roles in The Martian and Adventureland, uh, you know, these are very tiny roles. And as good as she is in them, like. To the point where I don't know that she's in them until I look at, like, the Leatherbox page or the IMDb page afterward. But I I want to see her more in things like The Skeleton Twins. Like, she's fantastic in The Skeleton Twins. I love that movie. And I hope that some, like, I hope she has a decent-sized role in Mother. Um, you know, I don't know anything about Downsizing other than it's directed by Alexander Payne. So... That could be really good. I, I, she seems to be one of the main characters, so I'm really excited to see that. And then... Uh, Would You Go Bernadette is a Richard Linklater movie, so I'm 100% on board with with Richard Linklater, but I don't really know much about it, and it doesn't come out till next year. So I would say Kristen Wiig, definitely someone who... I could probably force down the list if I started watching more of her movies, but is also someone I think has a lot of potential to move up in the list because there are like a lot of good movies coming out that she's in, in theory. Like How to Train Dragon 3 is probably going to be positively good. I've heard a lot of good things about Mother, you know, Downside, Alexander Payne, Downsizing, uh, Richard Linklater, Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Those sound like really good movies or not they don't sound like really good movies but like these are directors that i trust quite a bit so i don't feel as though they'll drop the ball at least in any significant fashion 
Um, but it's tough. You know, a lot of these movies that she's in that are older are ones that aren't really movies, you know, you know, the spoils miniseries, like they don't really count. Uh, when you're looking at things like, um, you know, her, her Saturday night live stuff, like those don't really count either. So it's going to be tough. It's tricky. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to say that I think she can move up, but I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. I do think that she'll probably be sixth or higher next time I do this top 10 list. That's my prediction. Sixth or higher for Kristen Wiig. So Kristen Wiig ranked 111th overall and sixth in August. Breaking into the top five now. The top five, we have uh, the 67th overall person. So another big jump here between Wig and this person. Uh, born August 18th, 1969. So another part of the younger crowd. Uh, with 21 film credits on my spreadsheet, they have an average film rating of 69.24. Very high. Uh, very top rate, uh, very top heavy with six films rated in the 90s, tied for the second highest qu uh, quantity there. And then uh, three Oscar nominations. Um, I'm looking at films like Birdman, as well as American History X and Primal Fear, uh, with a value of 34. This person has a score of 106.24 about four points more than Kristen Wiig, and that is Edward Norton. Uh, yeah, Edward Norton is a great actor. I think that's kind of unequivocal, or unequivocally true. You know, um, he's good in everything, and he more often, vastly more often than not, manages to pick movies that are good, very good. Um, you know, just recently, Grand Budapest Hotel, Birdman, Moonrise Kingdom. I include Sausage Party in that list. I know some people don't. Uh, I'm looking at The Illusionist. I like quite a bit. Um, 25th Hour, The Italian Job, Frida, Fight Club, American History X. Uh, Primal Fear is amazing. And Larry Flint, The People vs. Larry Flint. And like those are his first movie, like his first film, according to Letterboxd, was Primal Fear, and he was nominated for that movie. Uh, it's fantastic, you know, that's amazing. He was only twenty-seven or so, twenty-six. Um, and you know, he's been in some fantastic movies. He's never won an Oscar, but nominated three times is not too shabby. Um, looking at this, his most popular film I haven't seen is Red Dragon, which is a Silence of the Lambs sequel or prequel. I don't remember. Uh, it's not really that. It's a sequel or like midquel. I don't know. It takes place, I think, before the events of Silence, but uh, after other events, so I I don't know. Anthony Hopkins is in it, so I don't know. I, I've heard bad things about it. Um, he's in Kingdom of Heaven from 2005. 
which I have on my list to see, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, I've heard that that's a movie where the extended cut is actually, or the director's cut is actually you know, far superior than the theatrical cut. Couldn't really tell you. Uh, and, uh, and a couple other movies here, you know, Stone, The Painted Veil, Keeping the Faith, Isle of Dogs, which comes out next year, The Score from 2001, uh, and then last year, who's in an animated film called Literal Door Gods, probably an English dub, I'm guessing. Yeah. But features Edward Norton, Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and Mel Brooks as voices. Uh, so that's uh, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I want to look into this. Uh, it's only got positive ratings on Letterboxd, so it's a Chinese movie. And those are some pretty big names to have in in your as your voice cast. So I might check that out actually. Uh, Edward Norton only has 35 credits on Letterboxd, so I've already seen 60% of his movies. He is not a, an incredibly prolific actor. Um, you know, his earliest credit on here is 96, so he's been acting for 21 years, at about a movie and a half every year. I would say that the average actor probably does two movies a year, give or take. Maybe maybe a little more than that, maybe 2.1, 2.2. Uh, and he's somewhere in the one and a half rating. Still better than someone, say, like Daniel Day-Lewis, who's at more like one a year, if not less. But uh, I'm always excited to see Edward Norton. On the other hand, um, he has been in a couple of misses. Uh, particularly some of the movies I watched in preparation for this. <clears throat> Rounders, I think, is average. And, uh, you know, I think he's fine in it. Uh, Leaves of Grass, I think, is a very interesting concept. And I do think Norton is good in it. But ultimately, I thought it was a pretty kind of a bad movie. Uh, as well as Pride and Glory, kind of a cop drama. It's very long and kind of came and went. You know, I never even heard of it, but I, I really don't didn't see the appeal. It, it seemed very cut and dry to me. And then his worst film, which came out last year, and was incredibly ridiculed by almost everyone that saw it, and that's Collateral Beauty, which is just a mockery of like filmmaking in general, like. I feel so bad for all the people in that movie, from Will Smith to Edward Norton to, I believe, Helen Mirren, all the way down to that kid who's in Detroit and Slight, uh, whose name escapes me for the moment, but, I mean, Collateral Beauty is absolutely atrocious, uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and easily the worst movie Edward Norton's ever been in that I've seen so far, but, like, it's not even close. Like, I gave Collateral Beauty a 5, and his next worst movie is Pride and Glory, which I gave a 40. So there's a 35-point gap there. Um, he is in three of my favorite movies of all time, though. Birdman, Fight Club, Grand Budapest. Uh, all movies in my top 100. 
uh, and that's a pretty substantial mark. So, you know, I think more often than not, he does pick good projects, he does do really good work, and he's been significantly rewarded many times over for that. Uh, I've heard people refer to him as someone who, you know, is owed an Oscar. I don't know that I would say that necessarily. I think like none of these nominations that he got are performances that I really think he was snubbed for by the actual winner. But I don't, you know, he's so, what is he? He's only 48 years old. So he's more than capable of getting more on, you know, a couple more nominations in the next few years. I think it's probably likely, if not a guarantee, you know, given just how strong his performances have been, you know, since he started in the 90s and to now, he's still putting out some of the best work out there. So, Edward Norton, number 67 overall, and number 5 in August. Moving on to number 4, um, another person on the younger half. Uh, this person born August 20th, 1974, ranked 62nd overall, so five spots ahead of Norton, uh, with 25 credits to their name on my spreadsheet and an average rating of 66.16. Uh, they have the highest number of films rated in the 90s out of the people in this top 10 list with seven. That is an incredibly high number that uh, I don't, I think is only beaten by uh, uh, seven people. Um, so the highest number is 13 in the 90s category, but um, there's only seven people who have more than seven films rated in the 90s. Um, but we're not talking about them. We are talking about uh, this person. Once I get back to them quick here. Yes, uh, outside of that, uh, you've got only a, a handful of bad movies, but five Oscar nominations, no wins, a value of 36, and a score of 107.16. Uh, so another, so August is kind of a month of people who were nominated for Oscars, but never won. Uh, there will be yet another person coming up on this list that satisfies those uh, criteria, and that is Amy Adams. Uh, Amy Adams, one of my favorite female performers going right now. She has been in uh, some of the best movies out there. Um, you know, just looking at last year's... Um, uh, last year's Circle of Film Awards. She was in one of the films nominated for Best Picture, Arrival... She unfortunately missed Best Female Performance on my list, uh, as well as at the Oscars, and a lot of people thought that that was a big snub. Um, I personally didn't feel that way. I mean, I do think she was better than some of the people that were nominated, but I, I could could go either way about that. Um, but I think there were other people that were also snubbed that last year as well. Uh, but that being said, you know, she was nominated for performances in The Fighter, which I think she did do a better job than Melissa Leo in. The Master, she's amazing. American Hustle, she's fantastic. Uh, Doubt, she's very good. And Junebug, uh, which is probably the one I'm least familiar with. Uh, 
I, I don't really remember it, but it's the lowest rated film of hers that she's been nominated for, so I don't have a big opinion on it either way. Um, her seven films that are rated in the 90s in descending order, Arrival, Her, Catch Me If You Can, The Fighter, The Master, American Hustle, and The Muppets. Um, so Edward Norton was in three films in my top 100. Amy Adams only in two, uh, but does kind of stretch things out a little at the low end of the 90s scale. And kind of looking at that, it's 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 really it's really impressive. You know, she's you know last year she was also in Nocturnal Animals, which got a lot of uh, credit from a lot of different. Uh, critics um, she was in a somewhat of a critical darling back in 2014 called Big Eyes um, you know Trouble with the Curve is kind of meh Back Beyond was a great supplement to The Master uh, you know I did love The Muppets The Muppets has kind of dropped down a little for me over the years but it's still a movie I like quite a bit um you know, Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, Sunshine Cleaning, uh, Enchanted is incredible, one of my favorite of her performances, uh, Charlie Wilson's War is good, Talladega Nights is very good, um, looking down here, looking down here, what do we got, um, it's kind of it, you know, I've seen 25 films of the 45 that Letterboxd has listed for her, um, her biggest issue, and this is the problem as far as the spreadsheet is concerned for her, are some of the other films she's been in. So one of the ones I watched in preparation for this was Underdog, in which she voices a dog, and it's awful. It's her worst-rated film and was not really helpful. I believe Amy Adams was second on this list when we first, when I first uh, entered August, and she has dropped fourth. Um, so Underdog, uh, Batman v Superman, and Man of Steel have both been huge problems for her as well. Uh, Julie and Julia uh, was negatively rated, and so that dropped her rating as well. Um, so it's kind of kind of frustrating, you know. I, I know she's probably on track to be in Justice League, which I don't. I really hope that that's going to be good, but I have my doubts. She's tied to Man of Steel 2 coming out in 2020, which I'm also not sure about. But the movie that's coming out that I am really excited for, and maybe it's not even real, uh, it is listed on IMDb. Uh, so that's something, at least. And that is Disenchanted, which is the 10-year-after sequel to Enchanted, starring Amy Adams, James Marsden, and Patrick Dempsey, and directed by Adam Shankman. Um, probably the most enjoyable movie that she's been in, in my opinion. I think the songs are just absolutely fantastic. Um, it only ranks as her eighth best movie, but you know, it's a, it's a very tight top sort of 10, really, of her movies, I think or top eight. The top eight are very tight, and then after that, there's a separation. So I'm, I'm really... Of the three movies she's tied to on Letterboxd, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. 
and I hope that it can be, uh, hope that it's good. I hope that it's good. Uh, as far as films of ours that I haven't seen, I'm looking at Leap Year, probably not very good. Moonlight Serenade, also probably not very good. Fast Track, uh, The Wedding Date, uh, The Last Run, Serving Sarah, Standing Still, Pumpkin, Cruel Intentions 2. Uh, these are all films that I think seem really bad and are probably only going to drop her and drag her down. Um, potentially the best one that I haven't seen is Drop Dead Gorgeous, starring Kirsten Dunst, Alan Barkin, Denise Richards. That has the potent has a little bit of potential, but I think the bad films are overwhelmingly going to drag her lower in this top ten rather than higher. Uh, unless there, unless you know, Justice League is halfway decent. Uh, I could definitely see her. I think she'll be lower off, worse off next year than she will that was this year. Um, she only recently fell out of the top fifty for me. And I'd be surprised if she moved back into it, um, barring some fit movies that I'm just unaware of to come out soon. <laughs> so I love Annie Adams. I want her to be in all the best movies, but the slate kind of seems like it's not going to be... It does, doesn't seem like it's going to work out in that way. So that's Amy Adams, number four in August, number 62 overall. Moving on to number three, we go back to the old timers. Uh, this person is ranked 48th. We have crossed the top 50, um, and they were born August 8th, 1937. Still alive, still alive, uh, 80 years later. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's 80. Seems insane. Um... So I've got 32 credits for this person with an average film rating of 64.41. And uh, I've got seven Oscar nominations, two wins for this person. Um, So definitely a big Oscar Academy Award darling. With a value of 37, that puts their score at 110.41. So more than three points ahead of Amy Adams. And that is Dustin Hoffman. Uh, He has been nominated and has won an Oscar for Rain Man. He was also nominated for his performance in The Graduate. Nominated and won for Kramer vs. Kramer. Nominated for Midnight Cowboy. Nominated for Lenny. uh, Nominated for Tootsie. Nominated for Wag the Dog. And I think that's it. Is that seven? Yes. So seven nominations, two wins. Uh, and as and as far as that's and Tootsie and Lenny were films that I just watched this month and that I hadn't seen. So Dustin Hoffman actually got a huge bump up the rankings uh, because of these movies. And I believe he was actually not on the top ten when I first started this list unless let me just double check here no he was most assuredly outside of the top 10 before this month began between Lenny and um, Tootsie as well as I don't know Straw Dogs was a 
Straw Dogs was like two months ago, but that was a scavenger hunt movie. Um, yeah, so these two movies single-handedly, you know, gave him three points apiece for being in the 80s. Uh, another fourth point apiece for being uh, Oscar nominated. So that puts him down eight points to 102. Uh, so maybe he was in 10th or so. Because um, I don't I don't think his average film rating would have moved that much given how many films I've got him credited for. Uh, but his best film uh, of, of all of them, as in my opinion, is Rain Man, for which he won the Oscar. I think he's brilliant in that. And uh, gets a lot of help from a strong performance from Tom Cruise up opposite him. And uh, he does have the most poorly rated films out of the top 10 um, but he, he is able to overcome that with all the Oscar Academy Award nominations uh, as well as just an overwhelming number of better films uh, I'm looking at films like The Cobbler which I think is really awful Little Fockers um, I actually don't like Marathon Man I watched that fairly recently Lawrence Olivier, Dustin Hoffman I'm not a fan of it I think it's kind of silly and confusing, so I, you know, I, I don't particularly, yeah, I just don't don't like it. Um, also, I've got Meet the Fockers, a couple of Kung Fu Panda spin-off movies, Secrets of the Masters, Kung Fu Panda Holiday, um, as well as as well as the uh, Frankie Muniz movie, Muniz movie, Racing Stripes about a racing zebra so Dustin Hoffman uh, definitely moved into the top 50 for the first time in a long time uh, in the last couple of weeks and looking at some of the movies of his I haven't seen where we've got things like a perfume the story of a murderer Papillon which I think I've heard only great things about sleepers Outbreak, uh, Little Big Man, uh, Mr. Mangorium's Wonder Emporium, which came and went, uh, Ishtar, I've had I've heard mixed things, uh, Straight Time, The Program, The Messenger, The Story of Joan of Arc, uh, The Death of a Salesman. Uh, that's kind of those are the ones I only ones I really recognize that I'm going through here. But like that's a, that's still a good number of movies of his I haven't seen that are fairly recognizable in terms of like just titles, let alone content and uh, impact from when they were released. Uh, I've got about thirty five percentage percent of his movies seen, so there's a big swath of movies I haven't yet touched on and I do think he's definitely got someone who has movies I'm I'm gonna like left I think he's got a good chance to actually even improve you know he doesn't have that big of a gap between himself and number two so I could definitely see him slipping into the second place role uh, but it's going to be difficult. 
and then but but you know looking at some of these you know, I don't know like there's other movies on here that aren't probably very good um, uh, but I, I really can't really get a good gauge on them you know you've got Agatha from 1979 uh, you know little big man could go either way uh, who is Harry Kellerman and why is he saying those terrible things about me Madigan's Million, uh, John and Mary, The Tiger Makes Out, I don't even know, so, uh, you know, this, I tend to think that he's likely to move up the list rather than down, but uh, I'm only about 75-80% sure of that, I do like where he's at now, especially given Lenny and Tootsie, which I think are some of my favorite performances of his outside of Rain Man. Uh, movies that I was aware of. Well, Tootsie I was aware of. I wasn't really aware of Lenny. But movies I wasn't quite so... You know, in hindsight, movies that I wasn't quite so, like, excited to watch. And actually, like, were really good, really exciting, and, and really fun to see. So, I'm really happy about that. And I'm, I'm really, really impressed by by his performances in all of these movies. You know, he deserves all of these Oscar nominations, I think. You know, maybe one or two I might not have given to him. Uh, but I'd have to, like, take a look. And, but, like, all the ones I'm look, uh, scrolling through, Wag the Dog is probably my least, is the least exciting movie that he's nominated for. And he's still very good in that. So, tough, tough to say, you know. So... That's Dustin Hoffman, uh, ranked 48th overall, ranked 3rd in August, and uh, let's move into the top two. Top two, here we go. The last of the old guard. So that means that the number one person this month is someone born after 1960, and it turns out is the youngest person on this list. Uh, the number two person is the, was born... Um, as the third would be the third oldest person if he were alive um turns out all the people that were born before him are also dead on this list so the actual oldest person is dustin hoffman that's alive uh this person ranked 41st overall born august 2nd 1932 died december 14th 2013 so gave us 81 great years um, and some of the best films out there and that is the one and only Peter O'Toole. I've got 14 credits for him on my spreadsheet with an average film rating of 74.57, uh, one of the better average film ratings. And not top heavy. Uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman wasn't top heavy either. Um, he had actually more films rated in the 80s than the 90s. But Peter O'Toole has 490 rated films, 480 rated films, 370 rated films and one 60 rated film so he's spread out quite good quite well he also has two films rated in the 0 to 24 range uh so (laughs) those are kind of big blemishes on his otherwise stellar resume but to negate those he has seven oscar nominations uh but only zero wins 
and I believe he has one other Oscar nomination that I haven't seen yet. And he does hold the... Yes, he has an eighth Oscar nom- Oscar nomination that I have not seen. And he does hold the record right now, and will forever hold the record, presumably, as the most as the person with the most Oscar nominations and without winning. Um, I mentioned Amy Adams has five without a win, so she is creeping up on that that record. Uh, Peter O'Toole has 31 points of value added to his seven Oscar nominations and his average rating of 74.57 gives him a score of 112.57. So about two points more than Dustin Hoffman. I mentioned they were fairly close. That's about one film difference if it's a good one uh, or a bad one in Peter O'Toole's case. Um, The performance nomination, the nominations that O'Toole has received are from Lawrence of Arabia, My Favorite Year, The Lion in Winter, Venus, Beckett, The Stuntman, and The Ruling Class. Now, I've watched quite a few of these since uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, The Ruling Class, The Stuntman, and Beckett I've seen in the last couple of weeks. And of the three, uh, Beckett is definitely my favorite movie. Um... Whereas I think Stuntman was actually my favorite of his performances. Uh, strangely enough, it's not a particularly memorable movie, um, but I do love kind of just the way his character is portrayed. I think he's so cool and so interesting, and I like that quite a bit. He's also been in other films where he wasn't nominated for Best Actor, um, including How to Steal a Million with Audrey Hepburn, a film I is my second favorite film of his. Uh, he was in The Last Emperor, which I think was quite good. Uh, he performed, He uh, has a voice role in Ratatouille. He's also in Stardust. Uh, he has a small role in Troy. And then his two awful movies are uh, Supergirl and Phantoms. Uh, Supergirl is is not even, you know, like, if you've seen it, you get it. It's not really very good. Uh, Phantoms <clears throat> is just like kind of a, I don't know why he's in this movie. It's a Ben Affleck, Rose McGowan, Lee Schreiber movie that's kind of, uh, I, I don't really know how to explain it. it. It's just kind of like a disaster horror kind of sci-fi thriller. So it, it, I don't know, it's very rudimentary. It's not very good. Um, that being said, uh, that being said, Peter O'Toole, one of my favorite actors, hands down. I think he's amazing. Uh, and and I'm, I love to see him in pretty much anything he chooses to be in, relatively speaking. So some of the movies uh, of his that I haven't seen are Caligula with Malcolm McDowell from uh, 1979, uh, Casino Royale 007 from 1967, uh, you've got John Goodman in King Ralph, uh, What's New Pussycat, uh, Hitler, The Rise of Evil from 2003, The Night of the Generals, Club Paradise, Bright Young Things, 
Man of La Mancha, The Rainbow Thief, Goodbye Mr. Chips, um, another Joan of Arc film from 1999, Gulliver's Travels, 96, Lassie from 2005, is that a remake? <laughs> um, but he's got a huge, huge career. Um, and he's been in a ton of movies. So, uh, there's clearly, I'm guessing, a huge, you know, he's got 87 credits on Letterboxd. I've only seen 14 of them. So there's definitely a lot of movies out there that, I've, that are probably very good that he's been in. Uh, so I think the key is just going to be determining, just going to be sort of like, what order are the films that I watch of his in? You know, I could watch a string of really good ones that bumps him up really high. I could watch a string of bad ones and he may even fall off. You know, 14 films, not a lot. You know, a lot of mobility left in his ranking with that many movies. So it's going to be tough. I, I think, like, looking at it, you know, he is very close to Dustin Hoffman right now. Um, and, you know, the three movies of his that I've seen recently Beckett, Stuntman, Ruling Class, they definitely boosted his rating quite a bit um he was much further down this list so that's three six ten points he's gained he was just outside a hundred points when he started i think he was at like ninth or tenth on this top ten list at the beginning so there's definitely a lot of room to drop but i do think he's got you know of all the highly rated names on this list he's got a huge amount of room for improvement uh, probably more so than anyone else on this list, save for Robert Shaw. I think Robert Shaw has the most room for improvement on this list, and Peter O'Toole is not that far behind him. So that's Peter O'Toole, one of my favorite actors, uh, probably who I would put number one in August uh, per, on, on, my, on a personal level, um, but on a statistical level, he is beaten out by the youngest person, on the top 10 list. Uh, and so, Peter O'Toole, 41st overall, 2nd in August. Let's find out who our number one actually is. Ranked 16th overall, born August 12th, 1975. So he is 42 years old, um, with 18 credits to his name at the moment. Um, this person has an average film rating of 76.11. Uh, he has a very, very good distribution of films. Six in the 90s, four in the 80s, two in the 70s, three in the 60s, two in the 50s, and only one lower than 50. Um, with two performance nominations at the Oscars and one win um, coming last year, this is Casey Affleck. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the better Affleck brother in film, in a film discussion, uh, Casey Affleck has been doing a lot, a lot of good work lately. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at films like Manchester by the Sea, A Ghost Story, Interstellar, Ain't Them Body Saints, Paranorman, Gone Baby Gone, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, um... You know, he was in all three Oceans movies. Uh, he was in Jerry from 2002. And, uh, you know, he's just 
you know, he's in a couple of American Pie movies. I don't really remember him from those, which I think are fine. Uh, he does have a small role in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, Chasing Amy, which I love to die for, I think is really good. And so he has been, he's been kind of in a little bit of everything. And he doesn't have a ton of credits. Uh, you know, I'm looking at just um, apparently 39 that he's given on Letterboxd. So I've seen about half of them. And, uh, you know, they're all really good. You know, Good Will Hunting, his best film. Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford uh, is his nom- one of his nominated performances. And then his win, Manchester by the Sea, uh, round out his top three. Um, a Ghost Story came out this year. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And he is very good in it, uh, despite spending most of the film underneath a bedsheet. Uh, as well as Chasing Amy and Gone Baby Gone round out his top six, which are his films rated above 90. And uh, there's also the documentary, I'm Still Here, which he also directed, starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, during the time when uh, Phoenix claimed to be quitting acting, to be a rapper. Um, um, I mentioned his voice role in Paranorman. And then you've got a handful of films in the 50s and 60s. You know, the Ocean sequels, American Pies, um, Out of the Furnace, which was okay. And his only bad movie, which was actually very, very bad. I give it a 16. It's a movie called 200 Cigarettes which I'm going to need to look up to remember what it's about. Um, It's from 1999, and it's kind of a collection of people that just kind of are looking for their New Year's Eve kiss at midnight, you know, with a huge cast. Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, Dave Chappelle, Kate Hudson, Janine Garofalo, Nicole Ari Parker, Martha Plimpton, Christina Ritchie, Paul Rudd, Courtney Love. It is actually like just really bad it's it's one of the worst kind of like new year's eve valentine's day kind of movies and there's just there's not a lot to enjoy out of this unfortunately so you know i i it's i don't know there's not much to say about 200 cigarettes casey affleck on the other hand um I'm going to ignore any of his own like personal drama that's going on, but as an actor, you know, he's got, he's been in some of the better movies going, um, some of the most ling- lingering and lasting movies out there. Uh, his most popular movie I haven't seen is Triple Nine, uh, which was uh, 2016, so last year. Another film of his from last year for The Finest Hours. Um, there was 2011's Tower Heist. There was 2010's The Killer Inside Me. 2000's Hamlet. And that's kind of it. You know, there's a couple others here, but none that I'm familiar with or even excited for. Uh, which probably means that they're not very good. So, you know, again, like not a huge number of films that I've seen him in. You know, Far Cry from the 30-plus that I've seen, Kristen Wiig and 
Dustin Hoffman, or the 20-plus of Amy Adams, Edward Norton, but 18 is a solid sample size, and given how highly rated he is, given that few, those many films, you know, he's definitely someone who's going to stick around the top for a while. Uh, but I do think, you know, as is generally the case with people on top, the only direction that he has to go is down. And I don't know, like, there's some of the movies that I haven't seen of his that I think might potentially be okay, but nothing sticks out to me as, like, a big, like, short-sighted miss on my part. So I'm not sure, you know, what is going to kind of push him further in this list. Uh, I'm trying to see, like, what new movies he's got. He's got a 2018 film called Light of My Life and a 2019 film called Call Black Horse. Uh, Light of My Life is his own direction. He's directing it. But I don't really know anything about it as well as his 2019 film, which uh, is, has the plot synopsis of set during the American Civil War, plot unknown. Uh, so, you know, who knows what direction those things are going to take. I'm really excited. You know, I thought he was incredible in Manchester by the Sea. Uh, he was, in fact, my pick to win uh, Best Male Lead uh, for the Circle of Film Awards last year for his performance. And so, you know, I was very happy with his win at the Oscars. And uh, Casey Affleck, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not going to talk about whatever might be happening in his personal life. That's not what I'm here to do. I have my own opinion on it, but neither here nor there. And so I love seeing him as a leading role. I think he's kind of broken into that territory i hope he can stay in that territory after manchester by the sea and it seems like he will be you know he's directing light of my life so presumably he's the lead character and uh, he's the only person attached to call black horse which makes me think he's also the lead character in that so all this being said let me run up the top 10 list one more time noble willingham joan allen robert shaw terry notary Kristen wigg Edward Norton, Amy Adams, Dustin Hoffman, Peter O'Toole, and Casey Affleck. Now, uh, before I go any further, if these are people, you know, these are people. If you know anyone else, or, or anyone I mentioned earlier, so someone like Jack Black, Robert De Niro, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Sean Penn, you know, kind of scrolling down even further, other August-born actors, uh, Keith Stanfield, Peter Gallagher. Um, Sebastian Stan, Elliot Gould, Martin Sheen, John Carroll Lynch, uh, da, 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 da. Antonio Banderas, Steve Carell, Michael Shannon, Helen McCrory, Greta Gerwig, uh, da, 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 da. Tom Hollander, Robert Redford, Rupert Grint, um, Harry Potter bias. You know, these are people born in August who did not make the top 10. If you think that there are people in this top 10 that don't deserve to be there, feel free to send me any other bad movies that you think I haven't seen. Uh, you can check Letterboxd if you want to know that. Um, 
Generally, I mention every movie that they're in, so if I didn't mention one of their movies, good chance I didn't see it. Um, if you want to try and force that person's ranking lower, if there's someone who isn't in the top 10 that you think deserves to be there, send me some of their movies that are really good, and if I haven't seen them, I'll try to watch them. Um, and if I see your support for that person, and I have seen those movies, I will look for other highly rated movies of theirs to see in their stead. So, uh, that's, that's it. That's our top 10 August born actors. Um, a small preview of what's to come in September. Uh, it looks to be, I think a little bit better overall than the list for August. Currently the top eight people are in the top 100. Uh, however, uh, there are a lot of people on this list with very small cr film credits. So there's going to be a lot of mobility going on here um, in the first week or two of the month as I try to catch up on some films that these people have been in. Um, at the moment, uh, the top 10 includes two women, eight men. But there are a lot of women just outside and four of the top 10 for the top eight men are people with le five or less films to their names. So uh, it's gonna. Be, we'll see if they can hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll see if they can uh, keep it together uh, long enough to stay on the list. Come when I record. So uh, yeah, that's a little preview for September. Thank you so much for listening to my episode of August Born Top Ten Actors. Uh, if you are interested in the show, me, the spreadsheet, anything like that, head over to circleoffilm.com. Uh, you can send any of your comments, concerns, questions, or answers to circleoffilm at gmail.com. And if you feel like you want to become part of the show in any way, shape, or form, head over to patreon.com slash circleoffilm and check out some of the goals and rewards going on over there. And as always, have a week. She'll never leave me Even as she fails